Hey guys, welcome to episode 208 of the podcast. This intro is being recorded on my iPhone. Shout out to Apple. Uh, on the set of You're the Worst. And uh, I hope you enjoy this episode with Andrew Berlinson, a dear friend, a very funny person. And I'm going to say this because it's going to frustrate you to no end to know that he was once a blue man, as in the blue man group, yet we did not talk about it once in the episode. So you can hate me for that. But I did want to share that little tidbit. I also want to give a special shout-out to Alan McLeod, who's doing my shout-outs. Hey, special shout-outs for the emails from Christian, Nick, Holly, Marcelo, Nissa, and Jesse. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Now entering Nerdist.com. an all mashed potato podcast i know that you think you've been listening and so you have some sense of it but i just before bringing you on decided to convert it into an all mashed potato has anyone gotten into um almond milk versus coconut milk versus real milk no because you are my first mashed potato guest (laughs) it's that recent of a changeover (laughs) (laughs) okay so but i'd love to hear your thoughts um mashed potatoes Yukon Gold is the way to go. Mm -hmm. You can't do... Do you prefer almond milk to coconut milk? I've never... Wouldn't that be awful? I think that'd be awful. I think that'd be too sweet, maybe, to do... Yeah, I don't think that would work. I think that you have to do real milk in mashed potatoes. Well, I think there are many people who will say I can't have milk. So, Andrew, thanks a lot. I guess I have to stop (sighs) Sorry, no mashed potatoes potatoes. for you, then. Now, do you know how to do the mashed potato, the dance? (laughs) That's not what we're talking about. I uh, apologize. Uh, the ghost that uh, closes my outside door doesn't like mashed potatoes. Was apparently. that a not person? That was a that was a wind. That was a wind. That was a straight up wind. That was a wind. Apparently, it was a hot wind because it seems like it's very still today. And uh, my prom date's name. I'm not kidding. Her last name was Wind. Really? And so she was a hot wind too. Oh, Whoa! No. Did she? I'm a dad like, now. Did so she like that? <laughs> That's another thing that genetically happens to you, is it just, Whoops. you immediately convert into corny jokes. You uh, can't not. It happens already. And I've been playing, I've been doing dad roles for like 10 years uh-huh. and kind of like working on them. Uh-huh. <laughs> but now they're real How and gross they count. That you can, when you'll look at your daughter in a couple of years and say, you know, Mirabelle, I was, in a way, I was rehearsing for being a father to you all my life. <laughs> Or at least for the last 10 years. It was exactly how I thought it was. Yeah. (laughs) Being a dad in commercials is exactly like being a dad in Isn't it? Isn't it? You're always kind of smirking. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doing fun things in slow motion. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Always slow motion. Well, you did say that you've learned more patience because her fascination with things has caused time to slow down on a certain level, it seems like. Yes. Her fascination with everything is mesmerizing and so like i was you know wiggling my fingers in the sun and there was a shadow on the wall and she was just into it yeah that's the good that's the show yeah Yeah. (laughs) and i couldn't and i was like i want to check my phone Mm -hmm. Uh, i want to look at something wiggling my fingers wiggling my fingers and then you just have to relinquish that and say okay deep breath put your phone down and be right here 
doing shadow puppets on the yeah. wall and the pace of everything <sighs> has slowed and that's, that's a good thing. You know what? That actually, I'm sure that this is something that's gotten covered by my various friends who have parenting podcasts. Uh, yeah. But I, because I'm not a parent, I don't listen to them even though I know that they're brilliant. <laughs> and the second, the second, if I do decide to have a baby and can, I'm sure I will hungrily be listening and trying to get all that advice. You, yeah. yeah. But, um, I feel like this is a dull a dull observation, but I guess I've never really thought about it before, which is that it seems like it would be harder to be a parent in the moment now than it was 20 years ago than it was... I think... It's so. particularly I mean, I, I so. 20, 30, 40 years ago because, you know, we, that was an era when, like, a lot of stuff is automated, so it's not like you're in the 1800s where mm-hmm. you can't be a parent because you're in the, tilling the fields right. and your wife is, is you know, and it's like a sexist society where you would never spend any time with your child except at night before you fall into bed exhausted because right. you have to like back from the turn office. the soil before, yeah, or back, or, back from, or, or, yeah. or selling your fuller brushes. <laughs> back from selling soil out of a briefcase. We'll just mix all those eras up it's together. Heavy. Yeah, but like an era, like say for like when we were kids, like, in the 80s uh-huh. um, or early 90s pre-internet yep. where there was still a pr- like an a- ability to be present that social media and the internet have kind of removed on some levels. Um, but there's the free time to be able to spend time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I just, I feel like the, you, the way your brain has been conditioned the mm-hmm. last couple of decades is so different than what it means to be a dad in a moment with a l- baby who's fascinated by finger wiggles. Yeah, yeah. I think future generations will be much better at it because it'll just be second nature to them to not check their phone or to have their you know, newsfeed in a chip in their ear (laughs) or something. But for right now, we're the crossover generation who the whole like wow factor of having this technology introduced during our lifetime has made us the worst at it. (laughs) You know, we're just like the worst at being addicted to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my, uh, my parents and my in-laws are kind of like even worse than we are. Like they love, they love the devices and it is really mesmerizing to them. Um, but yeah, it is hard to stay in the moment right now. You want to record every moment and who was it? Louis CK is like, when are we ever going to watch all of these right. things that we were recording? Right. And I'm trying to like curate the photo, not take a photo every 10 seconds, just yeah. maybe one a day Yeah. or two. I think photographs are, if you take too many pictures, they replace your memories. Yeah. But if you take one or two a day then they actually trigger the rest of the memories. I think that's really, I think that's really astute. I think that's a, that's, that is the sort of new, I mean, I don't know, like maybe my dad would say, well, I don't know, Janet, when I was your dad, I remember thinking the same kind of thing because I was a photographer and I would have had to take, you know, my, my dad was definitely like a real, he was a a photographer for his own amusement, but then he also went on to like be the photographer for the books that he was, that could these, you know, history books and stuff that he was writing. Um, and so my dad is a real slideshow kind of guy (laughs) where like, I really strong, I have strong associations with my dad having friends over and me sort of trying, like fighting to stay awake as a really little kid the sound of the slide projector and my dad's voice like and this is when we went to so-and-so and And, like miners established this town when just being like 
Uh, and like finding that like like, <laughs> if, like if, if I have someone played a tape of that right now it would probably be the fastest way to get me to take a nap you know what I mean yeah Pavlovian so yeah so he might say the same thing about whatever you know thing that he was into then but I I definitely feel like that for us in our generation trying to strike that balance between um, making those memories and not having those the making of the memories replacing the memories is very meta you yeah know? isn't it funny the way the slideshow thing was like oh they're the that's the house where we go over we're gonna have to see the slideshow from Hawaii yeah yeah um, and now it's like we do that to each other without asking mm-hmm. it's like here's our here's my vacation to Rome yeah for everyone at all times so you have to either get all in or get all out I think with social media with yeah other people's vacations oh, and God. weddings and stuff did you do you listen to this American Life I, uh, from time to time there yeah. was a good there was a really good um i can't remember the the overall theme of the episode but uh but what i can remember is that ira was interviewing i think his niece and her friends and he was just horrified and fascinated by their their like in high school junior high high school yeah and they went on this he was interviewing them and he just these questions just keep these questions keep tumbling out because each question leads to a no, another n- more troubling question <laughs> Which results in like them basically saying like, oh, no, 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 socially, we have to be on social media all the time yeah. and we have to Ugh. like our friends' pictures or our friends get hurt that we didn't like that picture and everyone wow. needs to have their picture liked and that there's this certain like, 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 uh, compliment hate that happens <laughs> with young women now oh, where yeah. it's, you have to say, in a picture, you see like a, a really pretty girl. I mean, this is one social circle, but it kind of rang true to me based on like observations mm. and other conversations I've had where that you have to be like, oh, you're so pretty. I hate you. Or <laughs> this sort of like, ew, you're y- you, so you know, yeah, you're my friend. So, you know, I don't really hate you, but like, I do hate you for yeah. being so pretty. And that's the best compliment you can be paid yeah. is everyone hates how beautiful I am. And if you don't, and if you put up a picture of yourself and your friends don't immediately like it, like that might be a cue to you that it's not a good enough picture and you should take, take it, it down. down. There's yeah. a whole sort of subtext and language that's going on about that. And I was getting so tired just listening it to it. Exhausting. I was like, oh no, I'm, I, can't, I can't even imagine. That sounds like also, how do you have time to, for that? I don't know. anything to do? Uh, don't you have hobbies yeah <laughs> like the idea of this being into. stressed out like you're at a movie and all you're thinking is like oh my god the amount of pictures i'm gonna have to scroll backwards to like oh, in this wow. two hours that i wasn't present for them i mean i hope that's not the case but that's kind of the impression i what got if you have ocd is it a ter- is it like an awful time to live in right it now? might very well be because you feel like there's if you if, uh. if part of what your compulsion is to see or know if you have like a fear of missing out or yeah. if you have a compulsion to yeah see clear or, or clear the deck exactly like, clear okay, the deck I have to make sure this is all clean inbox and and, your yeah. to-do list all that kind of stuff yeah I'm you're an, right it's endless I know I am too you are yeah oh yeah. definitely it's um well like I have I have like a sort of an in at Sketchfest time it's a very different number but like in daily mm. lifetime mm-hmm. I have a certain number of emails that I feel kind of okay about having in my inbox Me too. that represent things I have not done yet yes. on some level and if I yeah and if I mine what's if your number up, do you have a number ish if you um, had to like it's guess really it? low like ten oh god that's so great but it's that but that's no that's yeah. stressful I feel like I should open that threshold up a little bit like you know twenty I know but, <laughs> but if that's it's still 10, great. It's like, uh, I've I seen feel like mine's thousands of emails. Yeah, see, like, yeah, that I, I would that I would lose my mind. Me mine too. is like between thirty and fifty. That's I great. feel pretty damn good. I think you're busier than I am. I well, think. <laughs> I'm not a recent. I'm not a recent parent, which, as you said, sort of 
redirects a lot of what you can do really and, and do well, do. Yeah, it, that's another thing too in terms of like um, having an experience that you don't really necessarily want to share. My wife's not on social media like really at all, and um, I I am, but I'm not like killing it. I'm not really that into it, right? Um, and and so like we didn't put up anything from our honeymoon and we did have a couple of friends that were like, what's going on? Uh-huh. Where are you guys? What's happening? Ugh, why can't yeah. you put it? Because it's like, well, we're doing this thing and, and um, you know, if we get a couple of good shots, I'll put them up later. And yeah. I do think that something that bugs me a little bit is the aspect of, well, I mean, this again, people have talked this to death, I think, but look at how great this is and you're not doing it right now. Right. And it's like, I don't want to gloat about how great, you know, Paris is in yeah. the springtime. You know, I, yeah. I'm having an experience. I don't feel like I don't want to make anybody bad. Yeah. Feel bad. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, there are birthday parties you're not invited to as a, you know, yeah, as an adult person that you're like, yeah. oh, oh, well, okay. And that, if you're that, hypersensitive, that, if you're hypersensitive with your own feelings, and certainly if you're hypersensitive about other people's, that is another whole risky rabbit hole that you can go down. You're I exactly know. right. Where there's a whole other tension to that, which is like, oh, if I post this and somebody that we're both friends with sees it and feels hurt by uh, it, like that's yeah. certainly less important. I mean, certainly that's more important than whatever dumb thing I need. I feel I need to post, and yeah, you could really second guess everything. I love what you're talking about though, in terms of. Um, when you see a thing on social media that it's like, Oh, I didn't. Wow. You, you've moved on in your life. Like a person that had a kid or has gotten married or, um, that is sort of that inadvertent. Wow. That took me down a memory hole that I didn't want to go. Sure. Sure. And I think some people search for that. Like, I think that's, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, (laughs) I I mean, that's, I'm, I'm positing something that I haven't given that much thought about, but it kind of reminds me of like, this is, it's a much, more mild version of this and it's very mild but <laughs> because the because the extreme i'm about to say is like when people read their their partner's like email or uh-huh. whatever you know what i mean when they even if they don't have a reason to be suspicious that they there's some sort of curiosity. something there's a curiosity or there's a slight mistrust or there's some sort of paranoia whether or not it comes from inside of that relationship or it comes from past experiences or whatever uh-huh. where I feel like there there's something there that they're sort of picking at a scab to have a flare up of a feeling because that is honestly the last <laughs> thing I would ever want to do. Like even yeah. if I thought someone was cheating on me, I'm much more the like bury my head in the sand person <laughs> yeah. because I hate those feelings with such a passion yeah. that I I absolutely avoid them. And so when, if a girlfriend of mine is like, oh yeah, you know, w- after we broke up, I was like, looking for him on Facebook and you know I'm like following him on Instagram I'm like seeing this new girl he's dating and it's so shattering and I'm obsessing over it that cycle of and the accessibility of having those you wouldn't even look for those experiences much less you accidentally happen to see something on social media that you would normally kind of remove yourself from Um, I mean I have friends who block who like I have a friend who uh well, listen, I've dated someone years and years ago who said when I ended it said like this is absolutely no disrespect for you. 
I'm going to have to block you. Like I am going to get rid of your number in my phone. Uh I'm going to block you on Facebook and Twitter because I just can't see, I don't want to see what your life without me is like. And I I really respected his honesty. I was like, you know what? I really respect that. It breaks my heart to hear you say that. But I couldn't respect that more because to me, that means you're committed to moving forward and you're committed to understanding that your, your life won't contain me in it the way we both at one time thought it might. And, yeah. and I really, I, I like that, but that's like kind of a smart thing to do because that's the way to it go. takes you out of this, uh, you know, this possibility of being, feeling great about something and then kind of being smacked in the face with something that makes your heart hurt, which happens to all of us. And if you, you know? don't, I mean, if you don't want to gain weight, if you, if you have a thing for cookies, don't buy cookies. Yeah, you just don't exactly. have them in the house. I mean, that's they're just too delicious. Do. That's what they're there for, to that's be eaten and loved and cherished and nurtured with your mouth. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you, you, uh, just to kind of go back to the, to the, you being a new dad thing, when you, uh, were you someone that always knew you wanted kids or were you just kind of, um, kid agnostic or were you averse to it? Like when you're a teenager, when you're a teenage boy, are you thinking to yourself like, well, when I'm a dad, da, 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 da. Yeah, I was, I was, I, I loved babies always. I always loved kids. I don't know. I mean, my mom. Um, I'm the youngest of three and I have a bunch of cousins and we always had a bunch of kids around and my mom is, uh, was a social worker. And so she was actually doing, um, adoption placement when I was a very, when I was a very young kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I barely, I don't think I really even remember that, but that's sort of like the family lore. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so my family has a sort of warmth with kids from the get go. My dad was a coach and my mom was also a coach. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I always thought that was just sort of the thing that you're going to do. Like, And then at a certain point, I was like, nope, I have seven nieces and nephews. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good with this. And then and then it came back around. Like I didn't ex- – I wanted to have kids when I was younger. And then as an adult, I was like, I don't know. It might not happen. Mm-hmm. And then it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what? No, no, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> How dare you? How even dare you put okay. put frame frame up where you were growing up as a teenager for us? So when I think about your all your nieces and nephews and all the kids that were around, um, I grew up in New York. I grew up in Westchester County. Uh, I grew up in a town called Larchmont, which is a smaller town inside of a big town called Mamaroneck. Mm-hmm. Um, Could that be likened to sort of? smaller like once we say i'm from glendale yeah you could sort of say to like someone i'm from la inside of, of a bigger yeah. town yeah exactly and um and that's just north of new york city for people that don't know westchester county like oh you're from upstate it's like no mm. i'm from just north of new york city uh-huh. which is the bottom <laughs> of the state um, yeah so i grew up in westchester my mom i think and don't people kind of yeah people it seems like if you're outside of like brooklyn or the bronx <laughs> yeah. it's uh, and, and you're still in new york and not yeah. new jersey you're officially in, in a, farm in country upstate yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no um, yeah it it's funny because where i grew up looks like larchmont village or larchmont in la uh-huh. yeah, yeah yeah that's actually i think named after the town i Is grew it up really? in i think so it very well may be i mean there's no reason that it couldn't be it might be it's very quaint like that yeah and very and so to me every everywhere i've lived afterward that is a city actually mm-hmm. looks sort of like a suburb to me mm-hmm. you know anyway so we grew up in new york and um my mom's from Brooklyn. My dad's from the Bronx. And th- my mom's from a big Italian family. And she's the oldest of six. And so in that family, I have 13 cousins, I think. Yeah. Probably more, sorry. And uh, <laughs> and so we always had kids around. And, and so I always thought you just have kids, you know. Yeah. We were Catholic. And mm-hmm. 
you just make a family when, yeah. when you get, how money. about your dad? Is he from a big family too? No, he's from a smaller family. His dad passed away when he was a kid. Uh, and so he grew up with a stepdad and we were estranged from them. So, um, yeah, it's funny. Like anyone named Burlinson is actually like my own family. That yeah, I yeah, know, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. He had two sisters. And so nobody named Burlinson. It's like my family, my relatives. I mean, right. there are other Burlinsons in the world somewhere, but yeah. um, my mom is Romano. Uh-huh. And so we always sort of, it's funny with it being Italian. I'm a quarter Italian. My mom's half Italian, but Italian is like the ethnicity that takes over all other. <laughs> well, what's funny is that I didn't realize that you, I don't think we've ever talked about that. And no. you were the last, not the last person. I don't know what that means, but, what? uh, I don't think of you as having like, if you're going to enter into the realm of Italian stereotypes, Hey, will you talk about I mean, over here? <laughs> it's uh, Janet, well, come on. I'm starting to hear it now. A couple, now two, three I, I don't over know here. if it's just because I know now, but I'm starting to feel like you sound different to me right I now. I don't know. It's maybe something weird that's going on. <laughs> You want a couple, two or three meatballs or something? So I know it's awful. It's so stupid. The, I know the, the stereotype is bad. It's real. It's very real. Yeah, it's but bad. like a lot of my friends who are even sometimes first generation American or who are half Italian yeah. or just who have one Italian parent, um, they like to. Well, they like to sort of joke about it, and there is this sort of like like a mixing of like pride and embarrassment kind oh, of like joined so together funny. of like i mean you know i'm italian so, so i have a temper so you know what angry. I mean? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly i feel like that is kind of so something that gets perpetuated a little bit oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah but like you of you have just such a gentle heart and like you. i never you know i don't think of you as being a person who is you know it's has that funny. sort of mercurial <laughs> you know what's really funny is that people are like i didn't even you're not from new york you're yeah too nice you might, are you from the Midwest? I'm like, right. no, I'm from New York, asshole. Uh huh. Yeah. You need a little sm- smack. You want me to smack you around a little bit? You want to feel? You want to feel my New York? But I did grow up. It's funny because my grandfather was so not the. He was a doctor and he was very successful and, he, and none of his kids spoke Italian. He didn't. He didn't teach. You know. But he he was very much about br- completely breaking those stereotypes. So mm-hmm. he was not. He grew up all around it. He grew up, he was born on Mott Street in Manhattan. And sure. I mean, it's really that whole cliche thing. Yeah. Um, but he, he, you know, studied his way out of it. And he was a brilliant guy and a huge influence on me. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, no, it, it, it really, I think it really bothered him, that whole, mm. like, every Italian is a mobster. And right. But, you know. Well, and then, what's interesting about that is that, like, while I completely understand the desire to kind of pull out of a community where the rest of the world puts certain expectations on you, et cetera, right. I'm interested in the idea of your grandfather being born on Mott Street because I because yeah. I love, especially being from the West where most of my American history comes from, um, you know, Spanish settlers or American yeah. Indians, which I have a great deal of passion for as well. Mm-hmm. But in terms of having zero familiarity on any kind of personal level with the East Coast, I'm yeah. so fascinated. It's, I've talked it to death. And for those of you who listen to the Colin Hanks episode, you know that um, we talked in depth about this time traveling book called uh, Time and Again, where this guy 
goes back to early 1900s New York. Um, I'm fascinated by American, like old American cities and that idea of the communities of Chinatown and the first immigrants to live in little Italy and all that kind of stuff. So is there a part of you that sort of has this like affection for like, if you're in little Italy on Mott street, are you like, Oh my God, like as much as my grandfather wanted to remove himself from this environment, like I'm fascinated to see the history here and know that I have a connection to it and all that. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. My family, we're big New Yorkers and I've been in LA now for 10 years, but, um, we, yeah, the roots that you, when you're from New York, it, it, it is that thing. You, you never are not a New Yorker for mm. the rest of your life. Yeah. And when you do yearn for it all the time. And right now, especially it's funny being a new dad. Um, I've had these, all these memories flooding back in. Mm. And, uh, and again, all this yearning for different seasons and all this kind of stuff. I watch not to say New York city is a great place to be a dad either. Like it's hard. No, yeah, yeah, no, I have a lot of friends who did that and. Um, no, but going back to the talking about history, I think when you grow up in the East coast, you are completely thrust into all of that on a daily basis. Like you look around and there are signs that say the battle of New Rochelle was fought here in 17, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that was like in the town next to mine. And you see these revolutionary war things that were, that happened right there. And you're yeah. like, yeah, oh, well I'm going to Seven Eleven, or I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to Dunkin' Donuts. Oh God, so, totally. You know? Well, I just spent all the time in Georgia. Same thing. It's like, there's so, yeah. so many plaques everywhere you look about yeah. the civil war. It's very unsettling. And for, for someone like me who, you know, sort of uh, from time to time, I'll see a little something, but it really honestly is, it's usually like, you know, this is the oldest mission that was established by yeah. these priests, you know, these yeah. these Mexican priests in X time. And this is here's this old adobe fort, fort but it still <laughs> is like 200 years old, uh, more new than then, like, you know, something from the 16, 1700s in yeah. America. And then old means something even older in Europe, yeah. of course. But yeah, you yeah. go to the East Coast. My, my wife had never been to Boston and we went a couple of years ago. Excuse me. And um, she loved, I mean, we stayed in a hotel that was across the street from where Sam Adams uh, and Paul Revere are buried. Yeah. It's like, that's really neat. Yeah, you know? it like, is. It is. There's cobblestones and all. She actually played Rose Kennedy in a play uh-huh. many years ago. And we were walking in the South End, going to a restaurant, and it was too crowded on the main street. So we go off to this parallel street, and it's this cobblestone street, and we stumbled upon the birthplace of Rose Kennedy. Yeah. Like, what? That's incredible. Are you serious? Yeah. You know, and, you, and you're, I, I lived in, in Manhattan after college, and you go down to Wall Street, and it's like, well, this is where George Washington was, you know. Uh, inaugurated and things like this. This was mm-hmm. the first capital. Is that right? I don't even know. If I that's don't even accurate. know. Um, but when you grow up, like we loved, I, I personally loved colonial American history. Well, I was wondering. I was actually going to ask you that because what my next thing I was going to say is I feel like I I wish I were cool enough to say <laughs> and smart enough as a young person to say that I had that appreciation as a teenager, but I don't think I really did. And I know I've interviewed people on the podcast who were like into sort of American history, literature and fictional, like, you know, this is the fake diary of Mary Lincoln or whatever, which by the way, (laughs) Mary Todd was a great uh, book that I only recently read like 10 years ago. But, um, but I don't feel like I had that 
interest and maybe part yeah. of it was because of where I was from but yeah. um, I feel like I was about to say like and do you feel that like an interest in our roots or an interest in history an interest <laughs> in the development of our country or communities or towns or whatever increases as we age because of this sort of nostalgia or because of this sort of expanding of our horizons where Whoa. we've been around long enough that we can sort of see the world for as big as it is and see ourselves for insignificant wow. uh, and then, and then, you're, and then you're like no I was really into it when I was a teenager and I'm like I was in the cure. I like the muskets. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it's I, my mom also went to college in DC, and in, in a time when I think she uh, she said she was she went to the inauguration of John F. Kennedy. I mean, like you get yeah. when you see these things happen around you, it really sets off your imagination, and then of course you pass it on to your kids, like your whatever sports team you root for mm-hmm. is because you know your parents you have no choice you know right right i'm a new york yankee fan sorry because uh-huh. you know, my grandfather <laughs> my dad my mom everybody's a new york yankee fan um so she was really into politics my whole family was just interested in and then we could we could drive to these places too mm-hmm. that's the thing about the east coast you drive you're i was three hours from boston six hours from dc so we That's would drive up and down like philadelphia me about being yeah. East Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i mean you you drive for a few hours and then you're just in the middle of all of it so we didn't really i mean i don't remember flying all that much as a kid we would just drive yeah why everywhere. would you would you take the train anywhere because that was another thing i, I thought think was we so took novel. a train to like philadelphia mm-hmm. one time mm-hmm. i vaguely remember doing that <laughs> <laughs> seeing the liberty bell and whatnot sure too. um it's just in your day-to-day Thing, but also in my family in particular, I think mm-hmm. my sister did this thing where she went to um, one of those prep schools for a summer mm-hmm. at Andover when she was in high school, and so I did it too. Just mm-hmm. like, well, my sister did it; it seemed like fun. So I'll, I'm. Were you? This. Do you? Cons- do you feel like you fit into whatever? Speaking of stereotypes, whatever yeah. the baby of a three kid family. Oh, do you feel like yeah. you're that? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! If my, I mean, first of all, my mom and my brother and sister might listen to this probably. Um, and they'll be like, yep, yeah, he's the baby. <laughs> What's the age difference between you and your brother and your sister? My brother is seven years older than I am. My sister is five years yeah. older than I am. And I was like the, the oops. Yeah, like maybe we, we were done. Me. I guess we weren't. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm an IUD baby. You are? Yeah. I'm like a wow. point something percent chance. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay. Whoa. Yeah. And my dad's like, ugh, we can't uh-huh. afford this. <laughs> And then they were like, okay, well, yeah. And then the doctor said, but if you take the IUD out, sorry, you'll probably lose the baby. And But you have to take it out because the baby can't grow. Right. And they're like, okay, fingers crossed. Let's do it. And yeah, I stuck around. You stuck around. <laughs> oh, so embarrassing. But uh, it's, so yeah, I'm definitely the baby of the family. Yeah. I mean, like, we're really close, actually. My brother has kids. My sister has kids. I love being an uncle. Was and there a time when... Because like seven, I was. It seems like seven years and five years is actually a good span oh, yeah. to avoid the sort of like, oh, oh you're God, a freshman yeah. when I'm a senior, and like, ugh, I'm so embarrassed of I you or whatever. Think the only time I was ever in school with one of my siblings is my brother was in the the nurse the kindergarten was in the basement of the junior high school. Uh-huh. <laughs> And so I remember, like, yeah. he, he came down one time to like peek in, and I was uh-huh. like, "Oh my god, my yeah, brother. yeah." Did I'm you look up to both of them? The yes, very much so. Yeah, I actually have this fascinating. <laughs> my brother um, is a musician at heart. He actually works in finance now, but he is a great guitarist, and he was all about like music and like rock music, and so every single thing I listened to is completely because of him. Uh-huh. So I was like the kid in my grade that listened to things that it's like the police and Elvis sure, Costello. Sure. And it's like, 
uh, what people people listen to Nirvana and U2 and stuff like that. But I I love that too. But, um, and my sister was super into theater. Mm -hmm. So I literally became the exact mixture of the two influences. Yeah. When did you start playing music? Um, when I was 13, which is exactly the year I started doing theater. That's funny. Isn't that weird? I started playing drums when I was 13 and I also was, we all sang. It'd always be like a big like family von trap situation. Love it. There's a lot love, of harmonizing love, love. going. My dad, I, so wonderful. My dad can play piano by ear, yeah. and he's a great guitarist also. And yeah. he, um, he would we'd go to Broadway shows because we lived, you know, a half hour outside of New York City, and we'd yeah. go to shows. And he'd come home and just play the melody on the piano. He could just do it. Mm. It was like, whoa. So he had that ear. Mm-hmm. And my brother and sister and I all have that ear. Mm-hmm. Too. That's um, great. Mom, not so much. Uh-huh. But <laughs> <laughs> when she's had a few glasses of wine, she's a great singer. There you go. Uh, no, but she, we, um, so there was a lot of singing and there was a lot of Beatles and a lot of Rolling Stones and there was constantly music playing. Wait, I, listen, yeah. I'm going to say something that might be the cheesiest thing I've ever said and also is not something I've ever given any thought to, but I feel like... The idea of having shared musical experiences within your family, whether it's, I mean, maybe singing hymns at church if everyone likes that, or if it is, to my taste, more something along those lines where you're singing together at home as a family. I mean, again, (laughs) cheesiest thing in the world, but like, I feel like there's something really bonding about that because music is so important to me and it's so emotional and it's such a way of stripping down and sort of feeling vulnerabilities close to the surface in a sense. And I love singing and harmonizing so much that I think that would create like lasting bonds that families who don't do that maybe aren't lucky enough to have. Yeah, it's an, it's an amazing bond. Did you do like chorus and like choir and like, no, no? I loved singing, but I, I, I would sing only like, you know, I would take any opportunity I could yet for some reason I'd never audition for musical theater in uh, only in junior high i guess in junior high i sang a lot okay um but in high school yeah no i didn't take any kind of chorus or chorale or whatever (laughs) i didn't do anything like that i just did theater show choir yeah i didn't do you sing now i do i mean i love singing yeah Yeah. i guess i sing but i don't like i'm not in a band anymore but i used to be and um but you're still in you're still in a band i am yeah that's great I, i mean i was for it was it's such a long journey i was a like singer songwriter and actor is what I used to put on my tax returns for many uh-huh. years, <laughs> and then I sort of like just kept with actor. Did you start playing something besides the drums? Because well, I always think it would be hard to well, we be that. a right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. listen, not to say like Phil Collins, <laughs> straight up, um, and uh, the Eagles. Uh, yeah, Don Don Henley is the drummer. I always forget that Don Henley, the, yeah. the golden the golden throat. Uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't that a weird nickname? It's like, yes. what? It is, it Why is. do you call him that? It is weird. He has a pretty voice. Yeah. So no, we, um, my buddies and I started a band when we were 13 and I, we were like trying to be the Beatles, but I was the singing drummer mm-hmm. and there was a singing guitarist. So we were co-lead singers and we ended up playing together till we were 25. But I switched when I was 19 to bass mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. our bass player quit. I played guitar also. And I wanted to be up front because the shows were just like boring. (laughs) (laughs) I always think that it was because my dad's a drummer. I don't know if we've talked about that, but my dad was a drummer and he like kind of helped pay his way through college by being in a college band that went and played parties and stuff. Um, And he's a great drummer and he still has a drum set that he'll set up at home and he has huge clip speakers that are like waist high that he can play along to so he can be as loud as he wants and like turn the music way up. 
do you has lost play? a lot of his hearing. Uh, yes, I do. I do. I did when I was with when him. I lived with him. Yeah. I would play. Um, he taught me how to play, but like I never played. I played classical guitar when oh I was God. living at home, and so there was never an opportunity. Like it, was, it wasn't like my Let's dad. Jam. So, yeah, there was no <laughs> jamming. No jamming took place with my dad ever. But uh, but he. Um, I what I always felt being a guitarist and singer was like how hard it seemed it would be to play the drums and sing at the same time. You know what's funny is to me no because you uh, I don't know you could just do it I could yeah. just do it I just sat down yeah I never my dad gets my dad's a great drummer and like he gets so sweaty and he's expand he's expending so much energy just playing the drums I always felt I would be out of breath. I was is, so is jealous of the guys who could just like play like nothing was happening to them. Yeah. Like they're barely holding the sticks. Yeah. And they're barely, they're just like, I'm just doing that. And then there were some guys that would literally, were hitting it, they looked like weightlifters. Yeah. Like they were doing like mixed martial arts. Uh-huh. And then they're like yeah. done and their hands are all swollen and they're like, God, I'm dying. But then there's some guys who are just sort of like, it's just flow. I think I'm halfway somewhere in between those two things. Yeah, yeah. I always try to relax actually and mm-hmm. not get to, but you just get sweaty anyway. But did you have drummers that you like when you, as a person listening to music and I'll say this, uh, was as a disclaimer, even as a person who played guitar, I was not particularly interested in, I didn't pay attention to guitar. Whereas like a podcast, Dave Hill recently, who's a crazy yeah. accomplished guitarist and he was yeah. obsessed with music in the form of guitar and what he could play. Uh, did you pay was, attention to drummers in that way? Do you know yes. what I'm saying? Were you attracted to bands that had great drummers? Yes, but, but yes and no. Cause I, when I you mentioned Elvis Costello, to, you mentioned yeah. the police, obviously Stuart Copeland, I think is maybe one of the world's best drummers. Yes. Uh, he was the, my, you know. he was totally my hero. Yeah. But, um, I, I was not about speed. I really liked drummers with feel. And mm-hmm. I, to this day, I'm not the fastest drummer mm-hmm. by yeah, it's any not about imagination. Speed. I think it's like the way, like Stuart Copeland was like inventing syncopations with it's, staying yeah. that were like, wait, what is that even? Is there, oh, a, love- is there a, what's that called? What's that called? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I don't know. My da- and my it. dad, of course, again, in terms of inheriting, like just wanted to always talk about that with me. It would be like, yeah. oh, this Check is actually, this, this is, now if you listen very carefully, this is two, three, then it goes to <laughs> seven, eight, so then it goes back to two, yeah, three. Yeah. Did you get that? Yeah. No. no you play it again. No. Put the yeah. needle back. Yeah. It, it, I, I did pay attention. To, I was obsessed with music, period. I was just, I was that kid with headphones on listening to how things were produced. Like, okay, so, the snare drum is in the middle and the ride cymbals in the right ear and there's hi-hat in the left ear. I, mean, I think that's incredible attention to detail for I being a hormonal that. teenager. I think that's really impressive. <laughs> it's probably why. It's like, <laughs> just refocusing that frustration right into... You're saying that it was not going into making out with girls? <laughs> no. Okay. But it's... Um, hold on, let's stick with drums for one second. Yeah, you, no, 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 please, please, please. <laughs> then we'll get to girls. Great. Yeah, but I... No, it's funny... And then we'll get mashed potatoes back in because right. that's really what this podcast is about. That's <laughs> where we all started. Mm-hmm. The I was obsessed with the way music was produced. I still think it's super fascinating that the producer is this master of the sound that people don't recognize what a gigantic uh, contribution that person is playing. Like there's this great album by uh, a guy named Ron Sexsmith, mm-hmm. his first album, and it's produced by Mitchell Froom. Mm-hmm. And I weirdly was per, was obsessed with Mitchell Froom, and I didn't know that. Like I loved. Oh, the you band. didn't know. So you, you, know I mean? you, like, he you was, found out later about stuff that you were really enthusiastic about that he there was a link between yeah, things. So okay, so I was obsessed with uh, Crowded House with uh-huh. Neil Finn. I still love Neil. Yeah, Finn. no, they're great. They're and great, so, great, great. And so their first three albums were produced by Mitchell Froom, and I you'd read the liner notes and look at that, and then he produced oh something by Suzanne Vega, mm-hmm, and then he produced mm-hmm. uh, an album by. 
Sheryl Crow and an album by Elvis Costello. And then you're like, and then he produced an album by Paul McCartney, which literally sounds like Paul McCartney singing karaoke with Crowded House. Isn't that something? You're like, oh, so that's his snare drum. To song. have that, to it's a role that gets overlooked. I think, except for in hip hop. In hip hop, people yeah. seem to the producer seems to come out more front and center in right. terms of like, oh, I knew I wanted this kind of style, so yeah. I saw it after this producer. But you don't hear that as much in like rock and pop and but stuff. They, but then if you know, then you do. Like once it's you like feel the invisible it, you thing. Like you, yeah. Oh, so that's his. All of his Mitchell Froom's drums sound like they're like. Um, pipes and pans being mm-hmm, clanked mm-hmm. in a small room and so that's a distinct thing Isn't that interesting? and so on this on this ron sexsmith album there's a song um called there's a rhythm and they have as a bonus track the brian eno version oh. of that song so it's the same song yeah so the mitchell Froom version sounds like uh ron sexsmith singing with crowded house mm-hmm. and the brian eno version sounds like ron sexsmith singing with you too isn't that interesting and it sounds like you too and yeah it's like, so brian eno is basically the sound of you too and all this kind of so i totally lo- and even as a little kid like a like an 11 year old i was really obsessed with that idea um probably because of the beatles probably because of uh George Martin. Mm-hmm, that he mm-hmm. was like, okay, the Beatles would have sound differently if it wasn't George Martin. Yet. George Martin, who went on to write Game of Thrones. <laughs> so talented. Uh-huh. So versatile. <laughs> Don't know no, why it's all about nudity now with him. And I know. Dragons yeah. and boobies. Things things change. <laughs> uh, what, um, did you have friends that like were your bandmates, uh, people you could nerd out on this with? Or did you, and did you play yeah. band? Did you play like drums in the band in school? Or no. were you purely outside extracurricular? I, it was totally extracurricular. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, I'm not trained and I've gotten better as time goes on because I've had to practice for various gigs here and there. But um, I'm not the best drummer, but I feel like I have a really good feel, you mm-hmm. know? And so the guys in the band, we were all obsessed with that idea. And we ended up like spending a ton of time in recording studios just for fun and doing a lot of four track stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been recording on a four track since I was 16, like bouncing the little things the the, well, I only have four tracks, so I have to record all three of these and mix it into one. And then I have three left and then mix those into two. And then sure. I, have two, you know, like that whole cool yeah game. I had a really good time with those guys. But then at the same time, again, like because of my sister's influence, parallel to all of this, I started doing theater. Yeah. Was that in school or outside of school? In school, like Mm -hmm. a whole different group Mm -hmm. of friends. So, yeah. But I ended up playing music with those guys till I was 25. And then at the same time, like theater was happening. And I was like, what am I? I don't know. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I'm a total mix of my brother and sister's influences and it's you know what was your theater crowd like in high school you know like the the, talk too fast they were my theater crowd in high school but i didn't actually then at the same time i was also drawing Mm. and so i i took art class and so theater and music were totally extracurricular Mm -hmm. and so uh my theater crowd is like any high school theater crowd. We all get in it because you want to hang out and they're the loudest kids in school and the kind of the nerdiest, but also kind of like the charming one. I mean, we were, it was funny. It was like, they were the funniest people to this day. Some of the people I grew up with in Mamaronek were, and then there's some people that have gone on to become really successful from this small mm-hmm. high school, like Broadway stuff and mm-hmm. really interesting stuff they've gone on to do um we were lucky we grew up in this town that had all these 
opportunities to, I mean, you did high school theater, right? I mean, you did. Yeah, but I was just thinking, I mean, again, like for me, it was, uh, there was no, it was so insular and it was so, I, I knew that the theater, all due respect, I'm sure he does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, my theater teacher was, you know, kind of, for the most part, at least some of the years that I was in his class, which was all four years, yeah. uh, kind of just like, you know, punching the clock <laughs> and we would just spend so much time fucking off and not yeah. doing anything. Um, and then towards the end, I feel like, like I just started to get more aggressive about this. Is so gross. But like, what? I started to get more aggressive about what I wanted to do, like what plays we should do and stuff were, since it didn't seem like stuff? he gave a shit. Yeah. So, so like empowered. It was very empowering. And yeah, we did like a stage reading. I mean, this is classic. This is pretty classic me because looking back, I feel like no one else probably had any enthusiasm for it. But I wanted to do uh, a stage reading of Dylan Thomas's Under Milkwood because I was obsessed Whoa. with Dylan Thomas. How old were you? Um, I was a senior in high school. Oh, wow. Because, or a junior in high school because my one of my most influential teachers who I actually was just dealing with, emailing with today because wow. we're still in touch. My dad also was my English teacher senior year. So I knew, I had personal relationships with some, Wait, some of the teachers. Mm-hmm. Wow. At the school. But like I remember lobbying hard to do that and he said yes but i i don't remember i mean i certainly didn't leave my high school theater experience being like i learned so much about being an actor you <laughs> yeah. guys no it wasn't really it was the like same that. way with us we were i mean i didn't i that's awesome that you actually took the reins and like i want to do this and like i have an opinion i was like what's going on i'll audition sure okay yeah how to succeed in business without really trying uh-huh. sure thing <laughs> i'm in good. yeah um whatever you know uh, I would just sort of whatever was going on. It was like Shakespeare or a musical, and they were, and one year was a musical, one year was Shakespeare. So mm-hmm. that was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, you learn more about like being on stage in front of people mm-hmm. than about like Meisner or mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like breathing technique. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could. I think that there was a great theater class, but again, I was taking art class. I had to pick one or the other. And oh, so, even within your school, you had the opportunity to be in maybe I more think, advanced. Yeah, class, they had an incredible were... program at my high school. Um, called pace i think it was called like an mm. acronym for something that sounds familiar people actually. acting people, <laughs> cool etc <people> a- <laughs> <laughs> that's what it stood for the cool etc yeah fill in the res we don't have time for a that's what it means anyway so i did art yeah pace 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 but yeah those so many well obviously theater is is more extroverted an experience and i mean obviously when you're being in a band you have that intimate relationship with those guys but um, and then drawing is this sort of, it seems like you have this sort of Weird. varying pockets of like a thing that you love doing that is very uh, introverted right. and very just you. Yeah. And then you have this sort of medium version, which is being in a band with a couple of other guys. Yeah. And then you have the biggest kind of most social version, which is like, you know, theater. Which is being in theater. And I did choir. I mean, in performed in front of hundreds, you know, it, you're right. And it actually is exactly the same way for me now yeah <laughs> because there are times where you're like okay i'm in my office and i'm writing all day today mm-hmm. and then there are times where you are in uh like the band that i play in now it's just a bunch of dads that we i'm like okay we could play gigs or not i don't care right you know like i'm but good you, didn't just... all, you weren't always all dads these because you've been playing with these guys for a while too. i know well there's right. one member who's not a dad carrie's not a dad so but okay, we're like dad, it's yeah. like um it's uh you know the yeah you know these guys there it's yeah. like we call it hipster poker that's great. Because instead of playing poker or basketball or something, we play music. <laughs> That's and so just, great. You know, and when I wish I had like a jam band you like should. that where I could, you know. Well, fine. Yeah. Do it. <sighs> I don't we'll know kick our bass player out and you're in. Sorry, right. Corey. <laughs> um, 
by the way, for the record, for those of you who don't know how Andy and I met each other, which I would say is 100% of you, um, I auditioned for a pilot that he wrote with a friend you. of his, um, uh, a little someone you might have heard of by the name of Henry Thomas. No, uh, he, no, he didn't write it. He was no. just in it. He, he was produced a produ- it. He was a producer. He produced and he was it. In it. You wrote it by yourself. With Carrie. You wrote it with Carrie. Yeah. And Carrie directed yes, it. Did. Carrie wrote You and Carrie wrote it. You starred in it with Henry, who produced it. Meredith was also in it, Beautiful Wife. And Carrie and wrote, co-wrote it. and directed it. You know, she a, also produced it. Yes. It's yes, funny. Yes, 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 yes. A, we can't a believe we pilot. got you. We had such a great time. Oh, my God. That was so fun. I, I loved that I pilot. Know, me too. I wish we could have done, we, done it. We can't show it because the contracts were that it's a non-arable pilot, basically. Uh, it was like for pitching purposes. Right, 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 right. Um, and again, I feel like six months later, it would have been like a new media situation. Yeah, but it was no, like you're just, absolutely right. You know, we were on the cusp of we yeah. could have sold that as something streaming or right. it would have been more something we would have put online and people would have liked it and then it would have found an audience and then we would have gotten a deal yeah. to do it somewhere else. I know. It was, it was just, you guys were a little ahead of the game. Which, and we, we even, we didn't even do Kickstarter because we're like, ah, we don't no, we and and then like a few months later, Zach Braff did Kickstarter, and it's like, yeah, I guess we should have done yeah. Kickstarter. <laughs> but we couldn't believe that we got you because and the caliber it was so great. And Izzy Diaz was in Izzy it. Izzy and, and oh Lynn Shay and Amy Madigan. I know. Was in it. I mean, it was a wonderful and Amy Madigan pilot. Scene got cut. Which oh God, <laughs> who cuts Amy Madigan? I don't know. It didn't. I don't, mm, um, and funny enough that I Carrie brought me in to rewrite the B plot which was the singer thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so I never wrote any of our dialogue, oh, that's which funny. is interesting. So it was yeah. like, uh, so I was an actor for those scenes and then yeah. I'd be like the writer producer that's for the other scene. Though, it was I pretty think. fun. Yeah. And Izzy said the nicest thing at the end of the weekend. He's like, if you guys forgot to press record, I just had a really great weekend, really great time. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where, again, like we're talking about like the introverted or middle and then the, the exhibitionist part of you. It's like, I love to make things with people. Mm-hmm. And if they happen to do something that's awesome, that'd be great. Yeah. But like, that was a great weekend. Wait, we shot that in one weekend? Yeah. Do you know that in my mind, we worked on that for like two weeks together? We did? Because... You, did, you thought because that? Because my... Yeah, because the memories of that I, we are, did? I well I feel I have like a memory of driving into the studio where we shot that like more than two or three days I'm and so sure I think I elongated I mean we did our table read and stuff but I think maybe we just had such a great time together and then we, had, we built a lasting relationship off of such a short period of time that I've in my mind I've transferred it into a longer process because awesome. that is what would make sense right to be like no we became well, really close because we were weekend. working on a pilot together for a few weeks guys <laughs> yeah. of course we got close like it couldn't have been two oh, days weekend? <laughs> that's, that's, that's weird, weird. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> See? that's all and still with izzy and still and yeah. henry and, and yeah yeah that's a, it, it was this little team it's like a little you know when you do a play as a kid it's like oh we did this play in high school and I just had this thing where <laughs> I did summer theater in high school also. Okay. So was and that I, like a, it was all like all ages or was that age group, like age group, high school age group, but different high school people from all over. Exactly. Okay. And also, but 16 to 24. So it's oh, like, Ooh, okay. whoa, Ooh, that is. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 You could get into some trouble. Nasty parties. Sure. 16 year old me like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just got the video cassette tapes of those play. It was Grease. One Perfect. summer, and I was Eugene, of course. Oh, Anyone looking great. at the photo of me that I'm going to send you? Uh-huh. Me, like, yeah, you were. You were uh-huh. Eugene. Um, and then the second summer was a chorus line, which okay. was crazy. Yeah, and we did. Are the director lifted all of the original choreography from Lincoln Center? You could go to the library in Manhattan and like 
look at the original and he, he actually was in a touring. Anyway, so I just got the videotapes and I had them digitized and I put them up like in a Dropbox thing for all these people. Yeah. And the emails that went around were so great. Like, what a great summer. I miss everybody. Oh, oh my God. Nice. I can't watch it because I'm too embarrassed. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was really great. Like that that notion of like, wow, my God, we had this. It was probably just, you know, six weeks. Mm-hmm. But it felt like a year because mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. 16, 17, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And it feels like time. And when, just you're, like, and when you're having an experience that's so unique from what your day-to-day is like and you're transported, you're somewhere else. I mean, that's not that's very similar to what I just came off of, which I is know. feeling like I fought a war yeah. with 100 people yeah. that I didn't know before. A couple yeah. of them I knew and that was it. And to, it felt it's so surreal to finish a job like that and then just say goodbye. Oh, it's such a weird feeling. That's what it's we so do, abrupt. It, it's so what abrupt. It's yeah, just it so like well, bye, <sighs> bye, bye. Uh, now I'm gonna go home. And yeah. it, the, the way that w- that we live. I, honestly, to me though, that is the best. Like I, know, I, it's really I just I know. I know. But then we don't go to a nine to five job, and we don't plan vacations like this kind of thing. We have these bursts of. Mm-hmm activity and then oh but that's like the best yeah that to me and then you create this incredible intimacy with the people that you work with yeah um uh, crew people i love my god i love all that well I, your like, pilot was oh, called grip and electric our I mean, pilot, it exactly about, it was, was about the, the crew behind the scenes of making a show and that was kind of one of the reasons that they, nobody really wanted to buy it because they're like oh we can't make an industry show but they're always industry shows but right. we didn't want to do that we wanted to have them shooting like um like a press conference or a music video or a mm-hmm. cooking show. We didn't want to do like them shooting a narrative. Which it was thing. a music video. A music video was say, the pilot, yeah. yeah. And the grips and the electrics and the people on the crew, it's like, well, that's just a workplace comedy. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it was. It's Absolutely. Like, this is the workplace. They happen to be making a thing that's like glamorous or fun yeah. or entertaining, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. I think that's just the best. Ugh, I love those. I personally love like the 12 hour day. Yeah. And then like we made this thing and. I'd yeah, rather be really in every something. shot than like sitting in a chair. Oh, for sure. Know? For sure. You well, must so be exhausted. In that way, it's not. Yeah, I am. But in that <laughs> way, it's not dissimilar from like even when I'm, you know, like if you're at a busy grocery store or if you're at, you know, someplace that is like or a restaurant, someplace where restaurant, I don't know, because th- busy seems horrible there. But like <laughs> being a cashier somewhere, you want it to be busy because you want that because it just makes the time yeah, pass faster. And you're, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're a person who's doing a job like that and you're doing it by choice, um, it's probably because you like engaging with people anyway. So yeah. as you're engaging with more people, you're exhausted, but it also sort of the way the time passes has a different quality to Did it. Did you sure. ever have to do a job like a like an office temp or something like that. Or yeah, I've temped as, uh, yeah, office temp is the Ugh. most painful experience I've ever had. I did that too, yeah. Most painful experience I've ever had. I did the crossword puzzles under the desk. Yeah. I'm like, don't look You'd at me. You'd have to. Ugh. You'd have to. The longest days of my life. Because <sighs> yeah. there's like, and know. being sore just from being bored. <laughs> like, how am I sore? <laughs> how am I sore? <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, <sighs> am I wearing the same pants every day? Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of, it's tough. Uh, What's uh, that smell? <laughs> I have to. I can't believe how long. What I, I I've, I've listened. I have gotten a very good picture, but I do want to come back to the girls because you did intimate that you, uh, or had all of your interests that in maybe some way might have replaced getting busy. Any kind of getting busy. Yeah. 
it's ironic too because like you do you why do people play drums to meet girls right. and then you do meet i don't, I, I don't know what was wrong with were me. you just I, so sweet and nice yeah i feel like that's a through line right that's it's not like sexy m- at all most of the most of the boys and many of the girls that had uh very little going on in that era were just so sweet and nice and they weren't game players oh yeah and even really sweet nice people friends of mine i mean i was totally a game player which meant i got my soul crushed which meant i crushed other people's souls but i was in (laughs) but i was definitely having experiences you know what i mean i had uh, yeah (laughs) exactly well um you know but and so so my teenage life was very melodramatic when it came to romance um but friends of mine who weren't really dating were also like the nicest friends i've ever had (laughs) you know they were just (laughs) sweet and wonderful and they were bewildered by all of this ups and downs that they were witnessing because like they wanted to hear all about it they wanted to hear all about it and they they had terrible crushes on people and they people had crushes crushes on them that they weren't interested in so it wasn't like they they it was just never a fit it was like they always wanted someone who didn't want them and someone wanted them that they didn't want Uh, that was exactly it just just stayed kind of a flat (laughs) plateau A sexless plateau <laughs> of yearning and <laughs> oh my god, the yearning and the crushes. I was a real crushy yearny, and then and then you know you get back. I got back to New York after college and bump into friends from high school. They're like, I had such a crush on you, you didn't notice, and I was like, What was the matter with? I'm, yeah. What, oh my god, what you? Yeah. Oh, what yeah. was I doing? <laughs> It's the worst. It's I don't know. My head was so in books. I I really was like, uh, I really was a student. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, working my ass off from when I was like seven to seventeen. Uh-huh. Grades and things were really important to me. My parents were like not pressuring me. It was all right. me doing it to myself. Well, your brother and sister, I assume, were decent students. My brother, my yeah, totally. My brother was a very incredibly disciplined student my sister not so disciplined but she was like the most popular person in her high school and she was super funny and rascally and like cut class and then drove back into campus and there was a fire drill Uh she got caught like red-handed you know she was like kind of girl like throws a cigarette out of her window Uh i'm not smoking Um, Uh, sounds like a regular rizzo oh my god <laughs> She's gonna love that, don't you, Kate? Um, so yeah, no, that I was such a goody, goody, goody. And um, did you do stuff like drink and did yeah? You, do, you but you got away with it because you were also such a great student that it wasn't like exactly. oh, he's throwing it all away. Yeah. But that I was similar, and that takes a lot of work. It's a it lot does. of work to continue to get A's even as you're doing the stuff that people who are like flunking out of class are doing. Yeah, I was like, a, I don't know, I was like a high stress investment banker in high school. <laughs> I don't know what I was. Doing doing like real work hard because one of my friends did well, one of my friends did too gotta have a briefcaser some there's gotta be one person guy. with a briefcase i wasn't bold enough to be that guy yeah. that guy's like famous like the high school guy who carries a briefcase uh, our so. guy who carried a briefcase was swedish and so it really oh. made sense that like he also was he was a real like i don't give a fuck wow. and part of it was that he had this I, I don't know if he listens to the podcast jonas i really hope you do because i feel like you would like this podcast but um <laughs> he was very like he he loved talking about the fact that he i mean super brainiac yeah very cute uh-huh. um but like a wonderful arrogance about <laughs> understanding how a country other than the united states works on an intimate level so yeah. he would be like no uh, uh what's interesting about america you know what i mean like, and then he carried a briefcase yeah. and stuff and, yeah. and he had this friend named siga that he would always uh send recordings to so he would come up oh to God. you and be like 
talking and speaking in Swedish and then he would switch to English and be like, uh, say, say hello to Siga. And he sounds yeah, like he an independent real, film. Yeah, he, he was, he was, he was, he was, he's quite something and I'm still friends with him and he's that one of my really favorite people. Cool. Mm-hmm. And he was like an auditor Briefcase. of the United States. That's right. That's right. That's so cool. That's right. Yeah. Ugh, I yeah. wish yeah. to be we a character people. like that. No, mm-hmm. I mean, no, no, I was such a, you know, I, exactly though. But I was so like, I did so many extracurricular activities that I was up at, six in the morning and home from school at probably six at night i think you mean home from work home from work (laughs) home from the office (laughs) honey what's for dinner i mean honey i mean mom (laughs) that's so mean um and i was so up my own ass about like getting good grades and 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 doing everything i don't know why i mean it is interesting that your parents were like they were they were like they were like take a day off (laughs) my dad was like i got giants tickets on sunday night like but i have a paper due monday I can't go to a football game Sunday night. Do you feel like you still impose that on yourself now? Or did that relax a little bit? It relaxed a lot. That's great. But it's still, I mean, now it creeps in for sure. But but it's like, I'm an artist now. Yeah. But it's, I I went the other way, which Mm -hmm. is super interesting. I mean, I'm super interesting. (laughs) No, but that's like a weird contradiction, isn't it? That I lived a thing that I think most people do the other way Mm -hmm. around. No, absolutely. Yeah. You didn't, you were not blowing, blowing off and sort of like pursuing a passion and going, well, you know, this is the thing that I, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to do cause it's what feels good. You're, also, like, and then, and then like quote unquote growing up and getting a quote unquote real job or oh, whatever. No, I regressed in my 30s. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> I went backward. And it's, it was a little bit perplexing. I think to some people that like, wow, you're going to be an actor. But, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Wow. Yeah. But I felt that I was so on the grid, like of nine to five, mm-hmm. like, achievement training mm. goal oriented mm-hmm. you know what i mean that i completely blew that apart in my early 20s and mid 20s yeah you know just like I, I i guess i'm not this kind of guy I'm do you not. remember having was there like were there moments where you sort of had epiphanies like that where you were like i don't i don't have to be myself up about this i get to yeah i'm in charge of this yeah. feeling i'm having now i don't it, have to have this it was college when i went to college and i Again, it's like continuing with the pressure to get good grades. Mm-hmm. And then I realized like there's a lot of smarter people uh-huh. than I here. Uh-huh. I'm not here for this. I'm yeah. actually here to do theater. Like I did college theater and that's when I got like my first B's and C's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so nerdy. Uh-huh. But I, and then I was like, okay, and the world keeps going. Wow, mm-hmm. look at that. And now you're like, whatever, you don't do your homework. Nothing happens to you. Yeah. You're still a good person. Yeah. Oh my God, what? You know? Yeah. And and that was great. And it was fun. And it was like, okay, relax. What are you so worried about? You know? Yeah. And I tell I tell my nephews that now, like if you sleep through the SATs, like you're going to live. Yeah. You're going to be okay. Yeah. And the world is going to keep going. And I think it's really nice to have a person in your life as a younger person to say those things. Well, yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. I, I hope so. I mean, I hope that it lands, I, you know, their priorities are their own priorities, but I hope that it lands and that they understand like getting good grace doesn't make you a good person, mm-hmm. you know, just very simple cliche mm-hmm. idea. And now as a dad, it's like, well, I want to just be happy. And if you're curious, that's what I care about. Mm-hmm. Like that's to me, like what my, I think my parents really cared about is that I was curious. Mm-hmm. If I were lazy in that way, they would be like, come on. Right. But, you know, but I was over interested in things, uh-huh. you know? So they, I, I think, yeah, when I relaxed, it was probably just because I embraced more of being like the off the grid actor, you mm-hmm. know, the person that 
you're not on nine to five. You're a, a movie in the middle of the day. Very simple things that still I'm like weirdly thrilled by. Mm-hmm. You know? And kind of it's it, it's such a job of handing the reins over in good for for better or for worse in a lot of ways. Kind of going well. My call time's five a.m. I have absolutely no control over that. Yeah. And then the next, you know, like we were talking about, the next day it's you know four p.m. and yeah. As as somebody who's a who has like a controlling interest in your own life or who was rigorously scheduled or like hard yeah. on yourself, there, there. I think there is something kind of weirdly freeing about the chaos of being not the person making it, those decisions. I agree. Sometimes. I think it is the single most, and the scariest. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. thrilling. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's like a, it's a thrilling unpredictability that can be really like stressful for somebody who's like fastidious, but at yeah. the same time. There must be some part of you that needs to unlock something because you're yeah. pursuing that, yeah. that feeling, that discomfort, you know? I don't think I'm one of those people that's like, I couldn't do anything else, so I want to be an actor. And mm. that's what a lot of people say, and I, that passion's incredible. I have the passion for a different thing, which is it was actually the most difficult and thrilling thing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I do it, mm-hmm. because it's kind of scary to mm-hmm. me. Um, but in that great way of like, what's going to happen next? I mean, I've been doing commercials for like... 11 years now and when you're on when you're in the commercial audition circuit you don't know your own schedule yeah for the next day that's certainly until true until seven or eight o'clock the that's night before or true. even the same day uh, yep yep and that gets crazy like yep. you can't make any plans yeah but it's like wow it's totally different from what i did for it the forces first, me yeah. to be live and it goes back to kind of living in the moment in a weird way that unpredictability really forces spontaneity and forces flexibility in a way that yeah. it wouldn't if you were going into your job for, you know, every day at nine yeah. o'clock in the morning. But I went prematurely gray. <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely gray. No, I don't know what prematurely is. I mean, I don't know what pre- prematurely gray is. I feel like that's a... I got my first gray not, hair. There's no like, right time. I was like 28 when I got my first gray hair. I, was like, I, like, yeah. a, I like a little salt and pepper. That's I'm into cool. it. All right. Yeah. I got to get into this mash game, Andy. But the first uh, thing that I'm going to... I thought you called me Andy, by the way. That's that's my family nickname for me. It's very <laughs> I, funny. I, I, it's funny We're because I'm, I'm inconsistent about how I think of you and how I refer to you. I refer to you as both. You do? Yeah. Well, you're just such a love bug. Sometimes oh, Andrew seems so thanks. Um, formal. We avoided uh, the whole love thing, by the way, which I love. Oh, we really did. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm plugging my computer in. Okay. Um, I mean, we kind of got into it. We got into the crushes. I feel bad because my last episode with Mark Agliardi turned out to be so much about the uh, songs that he wrote for girls he had crushes on. Oh my god! That maybe you're maybe you're benefiting from my guilt over really probing that uh, to the nth degree. With I him. think your boys of summer have too much in, in common. Like there's there's such a common theme. Yeah. A lot of guys were like, "Well, I played sports, and I I didn't really like the yeah, guys." Yeah, I need to find a jock. I got to go out and find. I got to think about my my friends that I'm around all I the time. I did play soccer for ten years, and I I refed. Soccer's really hard. It was. That's why I have a butt, a big butt. <laughs> hmm. Because of this big strong butt, is that what you're saying? A big strong. Well, you get a soccer player butt. Mm-hmm. Like it lo- actually looks like two small soccer balls. <laughs> and if you stop playing soccer, it looks like two large soccer balls. <laughs> Um, yeah, soccer really impresses me. That's just a lot of running. It's a lot um, of running. I was yeah, so much running. Aerobically fit young man for a, a long time. Uh, no longer good for you. Thanks. Well, I don't know about that. It's no. not like you're anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, so the first category I'm going to give you is because we talked about this kind of natural curiosity. Um, 
this is this is a cousin of the you wake up in matrix style you have a skill mm. this is le- this isn't even a skill that you that you have this is three things that um you just have like an incredible working knowledge of do you know what i mean Ooh. like it's without having to commit 10,000 hours to know everything about something tomorrow morning there are three things you'll end up with one that uh you suddenly are sort of like a mental expert on that you're like oh i had this curiosity about you know underwater whatever uh-huh. and now I, I ask me anything now i have this like the oh. my i have this passion and this knowledge of this of these three different topics okay wow oh wow <laughs> <laughs> i because sorry to blow your mind <laughs> Just boom. Um, I love reading about science and I think I grasp a lot of the concepts, but then Mm -hmm. the nitty gritty is where, um, and so I think it would have to be like quantum physics. Great. Great. Um, I love the poetry and that kind of stuff. Like, Oh, we're made of quarks that are up, down, strange and charmed. You're like, what? That's really scientists came up with that. That's good. That's good stuff. Yeah. Two more. Okay. Two more. Um, uh, I'd love to know how to make the perfect, like authentic croissant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love so Chef's good. Table. I yeah. love those shows, and you watch all these glorious, like all oh, these like shots of food. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh my god! Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's so amazing. I love that. Um, and then the other. I love that website, 538, mm-hmm. is that what it's called? And it's all about like statistics and things. Oh, yeah, I don't know it. And then they have these like teasers where they're like, hey, this week's quiz is if there were 50 of the, if, if, if you had 50 generals and half of them are corrupt or, or they're treasonous, how many questions do you need to ask in order, like one of those oh, I brain, love brain teasers, brain stuff, teasers kind of stuff, yeah. I love him. And then I'm like, okay, nope. Yeah. I would love to be that guy who's like, oh my if God. N is yes. this, then that. And of course, yes. then that, this Oh, that. this is one of my favorite things that anyone's ever picked because I agree. I would love to have that almost like, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but like IQ test personality <laughs> where brain teasers and riddles, <sighs> I love them and I get, I get real uncomfortable when I can't solve one, oh. which by the way is Often. I mean, it's not like I'm like, I get, yeah, it's not like I get uncomfortable because normally I solve them. I get uncomfortable (laughs) because I'm like, it really deeply bothers me that I have absolutely no idea. I don't even know where to begin. I'm going to put, I think at some point someone showed me how, and I was like, nah, that's not going to stay in my brain. Yeah. That's great. Great, great, great. I love it. Okay. Uh, next one is, uh, let's do it. Let's do three movies that are, um, in some way real realms that you can go and spend and uh, spend time, be there as long as you want. No danger will come to you. It's Mm. not that you're, you know, reenacting the plot of a movie. It's that the world that this movie exists in is a, is a place that you can go and visit and live in. Um, did you see Zootopia? Mm -hmm. Great. (laughs) That is one of those things. <laughs> right now, again, like we've talked about how my wife and I have a, a, a baby and it's like, this is just such a joyful, beautiful yeah, place. absolutely. And it, you just get, I'm drawn to, I, I saw some like big bombastic violent movies lately and mm-hmm. usually I would love some of that stuff. Like, but right now I'm like, too violent. Yeah, I need I get something that. sweet. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're like, look at that. I love Zootopia. Okay, great. so that. Great, that's a great one. It's pretty great. Um, um spirited away oh wonderful yeah. choice i went deep into that that's for a gotta while. be gotta be on my list for sure yeah um, great 
Oh, and then um, th- these, oh God, let's pick like a 1970s European thing is popping into mind, but I'm trying to like pick one. Like, it's not 70s, it's early 80s. Blame it on Rio. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> There's something so, I mean, That's I was so, like a little kid when that came out and I saw it, mm-hmm. probably like because of my older siblings and mm-hmm. watched this. And you're just like, what is happening right now to me? Uh-huh. I feel this. And to this day, it's like that whole tropical mm-hmm. look. You're like, oh, God. Yeah. It feels good yeah. to look at. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, let's do three real world places that uh, you would like to have a vacation home. Oh, Paris. Yeah. Paris is a place where it's like that, that it exceeds my dreams of this mm-hmm. place. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, New York city. Great. I'm a New Yorker. Great. That's a dream of mine. Um, and I'm a city person. Me too. Yeah. I'm like Tokyo. Great. I think like a, a rooftop thing is like my favorite mm-hmm. idea of a dwelling. So you sort of have the open, you have the openness of being able to kind of breathe because it's not claustrophobic because yeah. you have this sort of view of everything, but you're still very much in the middle of it. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, okay. Next one is, uh, oh God, this is, it's so much more painful for me than it is for the person that I am asking when I love their significant other. <laughs> this It hurts me to ask you for your mash alternate universe sexy casual times uh-huh. or long-term or whatever can be someone from fiction can be a cartoon can be <laughs> anyone from any time time frame you know uh-huh. uh three my own drawing no, um the, perfect <laughs> no, that's so gross nothing exists better than in my imagination <laughs> hold on give me 10 minutes let me show you <laughs> um no my it, it's fine as i'm i was such a crusher and mm-hmm. then it just got somehow just turned off yeah but now I'm into like, um, my biggest crush is Helen Mirren. Yeah. Well, listen, like, get in line. Wow. She's fabulous. So hot. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> Stephanie Zunoni, which is the name of Michelle Fiverr's character in Grease 2. <laughs> Wait, what is Grease the last name? Two. Do you know what I've never seen is Grease 2. Oh, I know. My everyone, wife and I know everyone every I know is like that is one of my favorite movies, unashamedly. Oh and I know Greece backwards and forwards, but I just never saw Greece too. Adrian Zmed, I know, and Michelle Pfeiffer. It's true. Oh, I'm just gonna put yeah, Stephanie yeah. Z. Stephanie Zunoni. <laughs> Zunoni. Oh, amazing. Mr. Yeah, and, and a lot of Michelle Zmed. Pfeiffer characters are. Ooh, you I'm could, sure they pop up. Uh, well, not that many, actually. Weirdly. Really? But I would put, a, I mean, I could think of a bunch of her characters on that would be on my list. Like, I love her character in Tequila Sunrise. I love her as Catwoman. I love Oof. her in Dangerous Liaisons. I love her in fucking The Witches of Eastwick. Oh I God. love her in Wolf. I mean, like, yeah. I'm hard-pressed to think of a movie in which I wasn't attracted to Michelle Pfeiffer in some way or another. She's, I think, one of my brother's neighbors. Really? Now. Yeah. Good for and him. Like, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I say. What did, what did Michelle do? She seems know. like a pretty grounded person for the fact that she was like considered one of the most beautiful sort of ethereal uh, yeah. actresses I of her time. I got to meet her when I was 19 years old. Ooh. And 
um, she is one of the most otherworldly looking people mm-hmm. in real life. Mm-hmm. I believe it because she's strange looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a little, I mean, she's pretty strange looking in a beautiful way on camera. And yeah. so when you, Can you imagine? imagine that in I real know. life, yeah. You, there's a lot of like the head tilting yeah, yeah. stare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure is she's she real? used to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, did I do two or three? Uh, you did two Helen and Stephanie. My Helen and Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I think my biggest thing was I used to have crushes on like rock mm-hmm. women. Yeah. Um, and Shirley Manson from Garbage. Oh, sure. Great choice. That's a classic like Gen X. I think that's a great choice. I'm at the tail. I mean, I'm still Gen X. Um, Look at this is a really, that's a good variety right there. That's okay. what I call a great variety of Thank people. Uh, let me get into three foods that are in this alternate universe, not only uh, accessible at the drop of a hat, but also not bad for you, mm-hmm. even though in this life they may be, it may be ill-advised okay. to have them as often as you would have them in this alternate universe. Um, um, real highbrow, Duncan Hines chocolate cake Great. devil's food oh god absolutely my grandmother used to make them for me and claim that she was making them from scratch <laughs> and it became this great ongoing <laughs> joke where she'd like throw the box away yep yep and say yep. i made this free from scratch uh, so that that for sure is like Great. A, um and when you eat one you do feel like emotionally terrible afterward <laughs> <laughs> so in this other world uh, i wouldn't have that no grief um a bad a bad food um Sapporo beer. Great, great. There's a real pitch. Great. Um, an ice cold Sapporo <laughs> on tap <laughs> in a frosty mug. I love it. That's great. Um, and I'm a cake and cookie person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Why not be? Entenmann's great cookie, chocolate chip cookies. Great. I used to eat oh, them by the box goodness. load when I was a teenager who couldn't gain weight. Sure, I know. But listen, I've got my. Oof got a long list of used to eat them by the box load when i was a teenager who couldn't gain weight were you like a string bean too yeah i mean yeah. i wasn't yeah i wasn't like i wasn't like someone that people would make fun of considering yeah. how tall i was yeah i wasn't i wasn't like like big enough to be made fun of but i also wasn't like a string bean to but where like I'd be made fun. i would be made fun of how tall i was yeah. but not like oh something. you're so skinny i think yeah. i just was like kind of slender metabolizing it but certainly metabolizing it yeah, yeah. and just eating garbage I just garbage it. all day long i know me too but it's that thing if you don't want to if you don't want to eat it don't have it in the house yeah. so i cannot have antimus cookies in the house they yeah. will go in one sitting i know Oy. one yeah well i get it i get it <laughs> that you could be in this alternate universe eating them at every moment oh, yes. if you wanted to uh next category for you will be three bands that mm. you uh living or dead doesn't matter but that you um get a chance to play with um crowded house gotta get i think it i in could there. slide right in there i he he passed away but the, the original drummer for crowded house paul hester was really like influential he has like a That's great a real voice as a drummer mm-hmm. and i i I I'm, I feel like I'm doing an impersonation of him when I'm playing the drums. We call that homage. A homage. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, crowded house. Um, you get to pick two more. Oh yeah. Um, wow. It would be really fun to play with, um, with you two. Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. not? That just kind of popped out of my mouth. Um, which is what it's you a very want. iconic sound. But it's funny how people like people really hate them, and but to yeah, me that's always still like to me it's like the Octoon Baby. 
the yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. that's what i think of too i i mean i hate to say that they don't they're not relevant to me now because i i don't have an opinion about them one way or the other now right. but certainly when where the streets have no name like was a thing that i was a little young for that but yeah i had an awareness that it was really cool to like him right. and then they used that song in this movie fearless with jeff bridges and so <laughs> i always associate the edges guitar from that yeah. era with like a very buoyant kind of feeling <laughs> yeah. it sort of like gets your heart racing a little yeah. bit yeah, like yeah. it feels important somehow yeah it is i mean and again that's like you, there's no doubt that it's him yeah all right so no doubt a, yeah a third man um but if you're like no doubt right after no doubt. <laughs> and no doubt <laughs> in sync no doubt um who distinct um who uh oh my gosh i would love to play with wow this is hard for me because mm. when you're such a fan it's like ah, i don't want to mess it i don't want to mess it up <laughs> oh that's a good observation yeah because because i i love uh, i love playing what uh, like it's i'm assuming that, i see yeah, myself and it's like, like you don't want to replace someone i was just thinking that i would yeah. love to be with that <laughs> when sting made that documentary um, bring on, bring the, on night. the night yeah. it's like i don't want to replace any of the people that he recorded at that chateau with i just want to like be maybe like another backup singer um, or something you know i'm what sorry I mean? but i'm gonna steal that take it take uh, it i can't believe that we just, just said that so at the, fun yeah I, right I, I i saw sting at madison square garden when i was in eighth grade and bumped into omar hakeem Ugh, the drummer omar from hakeem. from bring on the from night bring on the night and, and, the Blue Turtles and yeah, yeah. And he thought it was hilarious that this little guy that I knew who he was. He's like, yeah. all right. And I was like, Omar Hakeem. Yeah. Standing outside. Another, of- another person I know by name purely because my dad was so obsessed wow. with staying in the police and with following Sting's career short, like when he left the police, it was like, yeah. what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Well, cause and then quit- when he get assembled that group of people, like Branford Marcellus, of course, like, pre whoa. him being on the tonight show or whatever he took yeah, over for, yeah. uh, Kenny Copeland, amazing, uh, unbelievable, uh, keyboardist and Omar Hakeem. And yeah, it's like, imagine walk, they were the biggest rock band in the world at the height of their popularity. And it's like, no, I'm going to play some jazz. Yeah. Cool. What? Yeah, whoa. Totally. That's I love it. I want thing. I want you and bring on the night real bad. If I can't do it, I want you to be doing it. Um, okay. Uh, next category is, um, <clears throat> you know, we were kind of talking about it, and this one of my listeners, Christian, just sent over um, a question, and, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it right in front of me, but I think um, the idea, I think what he was kind of getting at was this idea of you can go back and talk to your teenage self, oh. and it's not really about changing something or about you know like oh my god you change the future or like yeah that dramatically but it is sort of like were there are there uh, like a couple of moments or a couple of things that you would like to be able to tell that teenage year it's like you were like you were talking yeah. about with your nephews like if there was some reassurance you could bring or some piece of news you could give that version of yourself like hey you're gonna run into omar Hakeem. you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah. give them give give that boy in you like a, a reason to calm down or whatever you know That's what i'm saying sure. like oh what god. uh are three things that you would maybe tell him or, or allow him to ask you allow him to oh wow that's oh my god yeah he christian goes i love deep. this idea it's a great idea he goes deep yeah it's a really like great comic book science fiction idea like mm-hmm. stepping through a, a gate of some kind and yeah like, there you are and then i'm gonna erase your memory of this but mm-hmm, it's good mm-hmm. to have talked um i would definitely tell myself to like don't worry so much about like your homework mm-hmm. for christ's sake mm-hmm. like just relax about all of that yeah um 
uh, but and also, <laughs> um, I think to pay attention to pay attention to the people that that are giving you love like right now rather than the people that you're like tr- yearning mm-hmm. to get love from. Oh, that's, I love that. I love that. It's just a total waste of, you know, yeah. energy and time angst. and angst yeah. and yeah. health, and, yeah. you know, like you're just killing yourself over this. And I tell it, you know, it's if great. the person doesn't want to be with you and, you know, um, and then, oh, wow, this is great to tell, uh, what did Tom Hanks say? He was like, floss. Make sure to floss. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. Um, uh, yeah, I would say that don't stay in situations. Uh, how do I put this? Like, there are some situations in my life I feel like I stayed in too long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like work and relationship. I'm okay. I'm and okay. Like, it's okay. Just okay to jump to ship. walk away. Yeah. That's great. I love that. I love that. Oh, yeah. I should have ended with this. this is, that's, that's really, really, really good. Um, really nice stuff. Uh, so now I have to just go like complete opposite. Okay. I'm going complete opposite. I'm going complete opposite. I'm going to give you one that I don't tend to give the gentleman as much, and I'm not really sure why because I really enjoy it. Uh, I think I did it with Dave Hill, but three styles that it would be really fun to like sport uh, without any physical discomfort. And it can be, it's like, no one's going to look at you funny. You're, there's no, it can be like a t- tucks and tails when, you know, no one else would be ever be wearing that, but God damn it, you want to wear it. And in, and in this, in this reality, it's also not uncomfortable. So uh-huh. you're not, uh, you're not held back by any social construct or any like physical construct, uh, uh-huh. three styles. It would be fun to kind of try on yourself, you know, for a day This is also, or forever. I love this. Great. Oh my God. So great. I would wear Jamie Lannister's armor from Game of oh, Thrones. Oh, great, great. Every day. Great. I'm very slight of shoulder. Uh, and so I like see you that way at all, I have but like okay. these narrow British shoulders. Oh. And so, <laughs> you don't no have those broad Italian listener. shoulders from your mom's side of the family. Yeah. You don't have those angry, tempestuous Italian shoulders. <laughs> you know, those broad Italians. Yeah. But I'm built for like, you know, several row suit. Like just uh, yeah, stuff you into absolutely. this pencil. Um, big head, small shoulders. But so like the big, like gigantic yeah. armored shoulders with this lion it's heads great. or whatever. Yeah. I love, ooh, I love that. Great. Um, I'd love to have a mohawk. Great. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to have a mohawk. Mm-hmm. But you can't really book a commercial as the dad mm-hmm. with the mohawk. Um, and then, um, oh God. I really also love like... <laughs> This is so, all right, so this excited. Is deep. You ready for this? Yes. Okay. Deep cut. Deep cut. There was a cartoon called Robotech. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone's Haven't ever mentioned it. this. 100% know what it is and I've okay. heard of it. Yeah. And there were like these flight suits mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. these guys wore. Oh, great. They had these big like 70s collars that also could zip up when Amazing. they went into outer space. And these helmets that looked like the laser tag helmet. Mm-hmm. But with like a visor, almost like a motorcycle, like a very simple oh. Japanese motorcycle helmet, yeah, like a perfect. speed racery kind of thing. Yeah, I get it. I think it's great. And my my Rick Hunter Robotech uh, flight suit. There great. you go. This yeah. is great. Okay, I'm gonna go buy one right now. Uh, I know, right? That sounds Oof. like at least a Halloween costume. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, tell me when to stop. And stop. Okay. I'm gonna pause this. Okay. Do some calculations. 
to the listener, we'll seem as if no time has passed. <laughs> when I come back, I'll uh, reveal your 100% guaranteed mesh future. Okay, I got to reveal this future to you without uh, any further ado because it's oh, quite wonderful. I can't wait. Um, all right, I got to rip the Band-Aid off on mansion, apartment, shack, or house because, mm-hmm. as you know, the numbers don't lie. Okay. But you did end up with your shack. Mm-hmm. But your shack is in Paris. Oh, yeah. I'm fine with that. It's very like Latin Quarter of you. <laughs> it's a croissant shack. It's a croissant <laughs> Not only is it made out of croissants, yes. but it smells like them every fine. day, all I'm day. fine with that. Yeah, but you can also flake off a piece of the wall. <laughs> flake if off. You ever, <laughs> if you ever need a little snack. Hey, flake off. Uh, conversely, you know, you have this shack in Paris that's uh, either made of or uh, involving croissant by virtue of the fact that it's in Paris. But I want to you to rest assured that when you're in the mood for Entenmann's chocolate chip cookies... <laughs> Snap of a finger, no physical uh, negative ramifications. The lowest brow taste of anyone in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> They'll probably think it's charming on some weird level. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, I don't know why I didn't say this, but yeah, you actually got the ability to make the perfect croissant. I did? Yeah, I just looked over and realized that, that is, those two things exist together. So, so this could Paris really happen is what you're saying. And Entenmann's. <laughs> wow. A little slice of heaven. Uh, wow. you, uh, have played with you two and will again. So okay. not bad. Not there. bad. Not bad. That could take you all over the world if you wanted to. Yeah. Too. Give me a call guys. Um, they have no problem with you wearing your Jamie Lannister armor <laughs> while you perform. Uh, I love the idea of, um, adult you wearing Jamie Lannister armor, showing up and telling your high school self, buddy. Homework. Not that big of a deal. <laughs> Look it at me. wouldn't be I'm a to Look at me. the yeah. Jamie Lannister who sells like, croissants whoa, whoa, out of a shop in Paris. So. Yep. So wonderful. That's fantastic. Um, I am very pleased to tell you that you can enter the world of Spirited Away oh. whenever you want. Come on. And I think that's a world, uh, in fact, all of this is uh, to be shared with uh, much joy with the one and only Helen Mirren. <laughs> Which is a Fantastic. good choice. I'm, I'm excited because I, I feel like Mare is not going to be like, I'm very jealous that you yeah, got she'll like, great. Mare. And she'll be like, great. I'll meet you guys there. Cool. Okay, great. Um, I'll take the channel. Yeah, fantastic. Over to see Helen. Fantastic. And then back um, to the shack. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is a really, these are oh, really good I'll results. I'll take it. Really good results. I'm so excited about this. I'm going to dream right. about that tonight. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then uh, that, what remains, uh, other than that, um, I want to tell people that you were on a show with the guy who plays my husband on You're the Worst, uh, Todd Anderson. Yeah. Um, we're both dads. You're both dads on the Amazon show. You want to tell people where, where, when, and what? Right. Uh, and it's called, the answer for where is anytime because it's Amazon, it's guys. It's streaming if you have benefit. Prime. Yeah. yeah. If you're an Amazon Prime member, it's called Just Add Magic. Just and it's magic. perfect for kids like 6 to 13-ish. Great. Um, and little my daughter on the show finds a magical cookbook and gets into trouble and saves grandma. And right now okay. we're shooting season two and it's been really fun. That's it's really great. sweet. It's I love very doing sweet kids show. shows. I know. It's really fun. It's really fun. Um, uh, just that magic. And then uh, that just leaves us with uh, your your choice, long or short, uh, of singing a snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. <laughs> can you do As the, tradition right. uh, serves. Can we have, can I have some help? Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Can you do like the... Yeah. <laughs> Okay, hold on, I'm coming. Out on the road today, I saw the dead hand sticker on a Cadillac. 
Little voice inside my head saying, Don't look back. You can never look back. Thought I knew what love was. What did I know? The days are gone forever. I should just let them go. But great, great. <laughs> I got high up there. That was there. one of the better ones. Thanks. It really was. was you got a real golden throat. <laughs> Old golden throat. Real case of golden throat. Hey, thanks. All right. Oh man, uh, where can people find you on social media? If they, if I know that you're not that active on it, and I can relate to that, uh, right. 150 percent. Uh, but is there a place that you would ever like post something if you were yeah. like doing a show with a band or you know? I'm on Twitter, okay. Andrew underscore Berlinson. Andrew underscore Berlinson. There's guys. another awesome Andrew Berlinson who does like economics in England, but that's mm-hmm. not that's me. not him. Look yeah. for that underscore, guys. Yeah. I can't underscore the importance of that enough. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for doing the. Thank podcast, you so buddy. much, Janet. It was such a great excuse to see you, too. I know. You're the best. Um, guys, talk to you next week on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.